0: Sports card enthusiasts. This is the 615 Collector. My name is Doug Turner. And
1: I'm Brandon Turner.
0: And we're your hosts of a weekly podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports cards. All right. So we are on lucky number seven. This is our seventh show. And it feels like, I don't know why, but it just feels like it's been a long time since we last did a show. It does feel like a while. It's probably just because the interview was on earlier in the week. Yeah, we recorded it earlier and then dropped it later. So it's, yeah, it's been probably a week and a half or so feels like it's been a long time yeah so what what's going on you're 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 uh you start your your new job you're gonna be refing some basketball games be next week some basketball um tomorrow actually for so you all games. you ready to go you all versed up on all the the rules for the what age groups you got
1: nine and ten year olds uh like seven it's technically seven all the way to 18 but like i probably won't be getting any of the older groups since i'm new I don't. I don't know what age group I'm doing tomorrow. There's nothing that says it. It'll yeah. just say it once I get there. I once guess. Once you get there. I don't know. But you all versed up on all the rules. I think so. I mean, really, the only thing I really have to remember is like the extra, like weird, like young kid rules, like like don't the, dunk like the, on all the kids. The two on ones and like the the backcourt stuff and like stuff like that. Zone defense. Yeah. Cause it's different for each group. So. Did you get your zebra stripes? I did i got that today nice i'm also gonna be uh supervising like practices and stuff during the week oh nice um so i'm like half doing that tomorrow like going with someone else just to see like how to do it but it's like super
0: easy so that's cool
1: so i'm gonna have to come
0: down and heckle you your mom and i are gonna come down and heckle you in some of the games maybe give
1: it a few weekends before i'm before i let me figure it out a little bit yeah
0: we will (laughs) Well, this is and no, this is actually our first show since Thanksgiving, too. I mean, technically, I guess we dropped the last one the Friday after Thanksgiving, but we recorded it before. So, I hope all of our listeners had a great Thanksgiving holiday and uh, probably had a lot of turkey and whatever else your favorite fixings that you like to have. What what was your what's your favorite part of the meal? I don't really turkey? Have a favorite. I like corn casserole,
1: corn, corn pudding, yeah. whatever you call it. Corn um, casserole. A lot of people call it corn pudding. Yeah, but um, yeah, probably corn, corn casserole. That's
0: I heard. So I heard. I was talking with a colleague, and actually, it was uh, someone that I work with. That's is up in the. Um, oh, where do they live? They're in uh, Milwaukee, and they were talking about coming to Nashville and talking something about what was it called? Uh, corn uh, spoon bread spoon bread have you ever heard of this i've never heard of that before. see i've never heard of that either and said oh we got to come to nashville and have some nashville spoon bread i was like I've, ne- I've been we've been here for 20 years i've never heard of spoon bread what is it i don't know it's like Are some kind asked- of corn well i did, did but it was like some it basically sounded like corn casserole but maybe maybe with more like more moist or liquid or i don't know i hate that word interesting. moist. interesting I, I don't of know that. anyway i don't anyway. know that's weird yeah <laughs> But, um, um, well, did you do any buying or selling this week? Enough about that. Yeah, buying and selling. Um, I did, actually, and we haven't talked about the stuff we've been doing for a couple weeks now, so we'll get into that. But before we do, I don't know, you probably don't keep up with this stuff, but did you see the Zion Williamson card that got pulled? No, I didn't. That was kind of big news. In the 2019 Nash, Panini National Treasures, which is their sort of high-end premium brand or, or line of cards... There's what's called a one-of-one Logo Man uh, because it's a rookie patch auto, and the patch is basically the NBA Logo Man, you know, part of the jersey or whatever. And so that got pulled. That had not been pulled, to the best of anyone's knowledge. And the Luca got pulled. 2019. The the, the Zion was a 2019, yeah. And the the Luca got pulled, and I think that one sold for – Maybe three million dollars or something Lord like Lord. that, and Zion's got pulled. And apparently, it was in China, of all places. Is that the only
1: one that was made? Yeah, it's a, a, one a one of one. one here. Yeah, it's a
0: one of one. Yeah, and it got pulled. Someone in China, and apparently, I heard somewhere—I don't know if this is true or not—but that the guy that pulled it has already been offered a million dollars for it and turned it down. Yeah, you can probably get more than that if they Yeah, the the, the the estimate I've heard is that it may be four or five million. But what's interesting about that is, like Zion most of Zion's other stuff is down because of kind of the situation that's going on with him. <laughs> well, now. This but seems a little bit different. This is the one right of one. It is a little different with the one-on-one. One. All right. But yeah, buying and selling stuff that we did, we did not do any buying and selling of of million dollar cards, but we did. Let's see. What did I buy? the uh, last couple of weeks. weeks. Um, I did buy a Josh Allen rookie card. It talked about, I have not, I've been wanting to pick up one of his rookie cards for a while. I got what I think is a pretty good deal on one. I got it for a couple hundred dollars. It's a car. It's a Don. It's the the, um, the Don Russ rookie. It's a PSA 10. And it's been selling for the 250 to $300 range. And like I said, got it for a pretty good deal. So I picked that one up. And honestly, I'm not. I'm, I'm more of a collector. And I think our for our listeners' sake, we've talked about we're probably a little more mid-long-term investors and collectors but that's one that I might be tempted to flip if, as we get closer to the playoffs, and if that card, if if uh, Josh Allen's doing well and that card picks up, I might flip it and then maybe look to buy it back, you know, later next year in the off season or something like that. Because I do think with pop counts going higher, that card probably longer term comes down in value, but in the shorter term, maybe there's. A little bit of upside there so we'll see and if there if there's not upside then I'll, I'll keep it in the personal collection because I've wanted to have one of his rookie cards in a PSA 10 graded slab and then so I, I picked up that let's see what else we got oh I did pick up a bunch of wax so just which are remember for those that don't know that term it's just hobby boxes boxes of cards or actually they weren't all hobby some of them were blasters but I did pick up uh, I've been wanting to get the hockey the upper deck hockey uh, what's called the Allure, and I like that one because I was hunting for what's called a City Selly insert. I think the City Celly inserts on those are cool. They're kind of like the, in, I don't know, I, they're not nearly as um, sought after as, say, the downtowns or the kabooms in basketball and football for Panini, but I think the City Selly's could end up being something similar to that, maybe at a lower end, at a lower scale, but for hockey and so anyway so I was hunting for that and I think it's like your odds are like one in maybe 27 packs or something like that but I ended up pulling one so I was excited about that and then not only just pulled any old city celly but I got a Connor McDavid and so I don't know how much you follow hockey but for anyone that does Connor McDavid's probably one of the hotter players you can get as far as the card market is concerned his cards are go for pretty decent prices. So I was pretty excited about that. And then I also pulled an Alexi Lafreniere, which is the one of the sought-after rookies uh, in that uh, particular set. And so I was excited to get that as well. And then uh, what else? Oh, got a Panini. I did uh, buy a Panini Optic Basketball. I have not ripped that one, though, yet. And then I did get uh, Stadium Club, the top Stadium Club Chrome. I liked, and I also got the Update Series, um, and I got two of each of those. I, li- I think we've talked about that before. I like to get two when I can, if you can afford to do so. And so those tops has done a pretty decent job of keeping their prices somewhat reasonable. And especially like Stadium Club tends to be the, uh, a, a, a more of a value type brand for them and set. But, and so if you can afford it, pick up two boxes. Because that way, if you want to keep one sealed for investment purposes and, and rip one, you can do that. I may end up ripping the other one, but I did rip one. I've kept one. I like the Stadium Club Chrome. I think the last couple of years they've done some cool things. They have some pretty nice designs on those cards, and it's a it's a fun rip. So that was fun. And then also got a Topps Archives and a uh, the baseball the Sapphire Edition baseball. Their Chrome Sapphire Edition. That's one of my favorites. Uh, I've I've liked that one for a while that's the one we pulled the in 2018 we got the uh, Otani rookie that got a PSA 10 when we submitted that at the National in, in Chicago so that was cool. Uh what else? Oh, we did pick up we talked about with our listeners a couple shows ago the Space Jam release Space from Upper Deck. Space Jam release. Yeah, so I picked up a couple of those Space blasters. Jam it's kind of a fun rip, you know. Anyway, I know they're not the uh, LeBron autos are not out yet so those will be hunting for those i think early next year but that was kind of fun and then uh, oh yeah that was in the stadium club i did pull a brooks robinson auto numbered to 249 so i was excited about that and i got a mickey or a mickey a miggy miguel cabrera uh a hot parallel numbered to 50 i was excited about those two pulls out of that stadium club box and then what else oh another cool one that's out recently I don't know if you heard about the Leaf Pop Century no I don't know if we talked about that one I don't think we did so yeah Leaf put out what they call it. it, they've done this now for a few years I believe it's called their Pop Century and they're basically celebrity cards and signatures have autographs on them and so forth so I have not uh, I've actually not got that box yet I just bought that a few days ago and it's not yet arrived at the house I will likely be ripping that it, to see what what's inside, and so they've got some pretty cool celebrities in that set this year, like Harrison Ford, and uh, who else? John Travolta, Sylvester Stallone, Daisy Ridley, from she used to, in Star Wars. So I thought that one. I've been wanting to get one of those, so that was kind of fun. And then what else did we do? Interesting. Oh, some Panini NFTs, which we'll talk more about that. But so they released yesterday and today we're recording this on friday they did their nfl nfts and today they did their downtown packs and it was 15 dollars a pack you get three cards a pack so i was like i'm gonna try i like the downtown so i was like i'm gonna try it first pack i bought i pulled a mac jones rookie downtown which was awesome and it was the their they're numbered to 500 and i got the number 14 so the lower in in the nft world i guess the lower the uh the mint number which is the first number so the 14 out of 500 the better from a value perspective so that was cool so i i instantly put that one up for auction because i couldn't i couldn't wait on that one i saw those good idea those things were there they've been selling hot so i instantly put it up for auction and it sold like for just about for, for 95 bucks so just under 100 bucks you know, it was a $15 pack, three cards per pack, so $5 per card. Sold that for 95 bucks. Now, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that are going to say, you idiot, you should have hung on to that. It's probably going to be a five or hundred or $1,000 card at some point down the road, and maybe it will. I don't know. But months. I'm not really in the NFT game for the long haul. I just have fun, you know, doing it in small amounts with a small number of packs and seeing what I can get out of it. It's just more for the fun aspect of it for me so anyway and i did i had actually a bunch of uh i say a bunch uh, some nfts from the prism basketball release and i had been auctioning some of those off on their site and a whole bunch of those sold over the last couple of weeks as well so that was nice feel like at the very least i break even on those maybe maybe make a couple of bucks and, and have some fun in the process and then what else? Oh, we also got, I got a second redemption card back from Tops. So I pulled another redemption, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago. And so that's the second redemption card in the last couple of weeks that we've gotten back from Tops. You know, I think Tops actually does a good job with their redemptions. We've talked about how there's been some issues with Panini. And in fact, I think I've got two or three redemptions in with Panini right now that have been there for months and not sure, you know, when or if. Those are going to be coming back, but tops I've always had success with. So they've always done a good job of getting their redemptions back in a in a pretty reasonable amount of time. So got one of those back. It was a um, it was a Bowman Sterling autograph card of Bobby Miller, who is a pitching prospect for the Los Angeles Dodgers. That number is uh, or that card is numbered to 150. So I was pretty excited. Being a Dodger fan, I was excited about to get that one back. And then we did uh, send in a couple of orders this past week as well. We sent an order in to SGC, um, nothing monster, but a couple of uh, origins like Joe Burrow and cards and some other things. And then uh, did send an order to PSA. I've got an Ant-Man. I think I've talked about that one before. I got yeah. that in a break with uh, Geo Breaks, who have done some stuff with them. I think they do a good job. But picked up a Cracked Ice, numbered to 25. And so I sent that one into PSA. also sent in another one that I think I talked about before that got from our local cards shop, which is Nash Cards. Got a Derek Carr downtown. And so I went ahead and sent that into PSA as well. That one, not sure if the value will be there given the cost of grading from PSA, but um, we'll see. I think both of those have a a good chance at, at getting tens or gemming out, as they say. So We'll see how that goes. Um, I did not, well, I didn't, I say I didn't sell anything. I did sell some of those NFTs and then we did put some stuff up on my slabs for sale. Uh, put a uh, an Emmett Smith rookie card, uh, which is his 1990 score supplemental card. We've got a BGS 9.5 that put up for sale on my slabs. There's a Hank Aaron 61, uh, PSA 6 that I've got out there and then a few. Other lower end cards that we put out there, but nothing that's actually sold yet. Um, This time of year, things tend to slow down a little bit because people are, you know, you'd think that people maybe would buy cards and boxes as gifts for others, but that probably doesn't happen as much as maybe some people might think it does. And so spending maybe slows, activity and transaction activity tends to slow down this time of year as people spend on other things. Well, yeah, people have less money to spend on this stuff right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and then uh, what else? Oh, a couple more things real quick. We did do some transacting on the fractional share platforms and so picked up they Collectible had a 1959 Tops set, complete set all in PSA 8 and 9. And I think if I'm not mistaken, the 59 that's the Bob is that the Bob Gibson rookie year. There's a bunch of really nice cards in that set. And I thought that was a good value on their platform at the price it came public at so did participate in that one and then we actually also sold something for the first time on that platform actually we didn't we didn't sell it in a trade but it got bought out and i suppose we could talk about that now we've got a couple other things to talk about collectible in the halftime report but we'll hit on this one now so remember the steph curry yeah the nike shoes yeah that we talked about where the nike shoes Mm -hmm. and you know nike had the wrong name and kind of sort of bungled the presentation to him. Anyway, thought those shoes were a good value and so it was that was literally like a couple of weeks ago. I think that that uh, ipo'd on like I want to say it was do I have it in my notes? I don't think I do. November 7th, I want to say is the date. But anyway, so that came out it was $78,500 was the value when that went public on the platform and on Collectible. And an offer came through I think it was Thanksgiving week mm-hmm. for so almost what about a 40 30 high mid high 30 to 40 percent return in like two weeks and so I that offer ended up getting accepted and so we're gonna get sold out of that one by by all the investors and I and so what what happens when when an offer comes out is then they put out a, a email everyone that owns shares and everyone basically gets to vote do you accept that offer or not and then there has to be a certain percentage of the shareholders I I forget if it's like 60 percent or what the number is that a certain number has to agree to it for it to be accepted and they did and I gotta say I was torn on that one I was really torn because on the one hand it was nice to get that uh, return on the investment but the other side of that is I was kind of really enjoying having that in the portfolio or in the collection (laughs) and so i was kind of sad to see that one go because i was hoping to to own a portion of that for a longer period of time but uh, but anyway so i thought that was kind of interesting and then uh what else we got i think so that i mean i think that covers pretty much for the most part the buying and and selling that we've done over the last couple of weeks um not to take a victory lap or anything, but some of the calls we've made recently have been pretty decent. Obviously, last I'd time we so. yeah, last time we talked about the Cam Newton, you know that you know, it's not a huge thing, but it was like 40 bucks to 100 bucks or whatever. Uh, we also mentioned Jonathan Taylor a couple. Of sh- I think it was literally like the week after the show that we mentioned him on. He went off for like five touchdowns. His cards have picked up a little bit in value. Jalen Hurts, um, you know Curry. And then then you got Ja Morant, and unfortunately uh, hated to see him go down with the knee injury because that's – I've looked – some of his stuff is – it's still pricey, but it definitely has taken a little bit of a hit, come down a little over the last week or week and a half since his injury. And so we'll see what comes out of that. It sounds like from the reports we saw today, he's back out on the court shooting around. Still, maybe with a little bit of a noticeable limp, and you know, not going to still be back for a little while, maybe a couple of weeks. But, but it it sounds like maybe he avoided anything serious. Yeah, I think they
1: gave a couple of weeks as the timetable, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it said like knee sprain. I think Memphis is a little bit more transparent about what they actually tell the public because with the Kawhi injury, it was a torn ACL but they told everybody it was a knee sprain, but the Clippers are pretty historically, they don't really share a lot of information about that kind of stuff. Um, Might have to do more with Kawhi than the Clippers, but I think generally the Clippers have kept a lot of that stuff kind of to themselves. Yeah. Memphis doesn't really seem like that. So yeah, I I, I would be more keen to, to believe that that like a couple weeks timetable, whatever they said.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought it was cool. I saw his, his, I don't know if it was on Twitter or on Instagram or where, but he put out a social media post basically just saying, it's in God's hands now and all we can do is pray. I thought that was cool. We hear a lot of good things about him being just overall a good kid um, of decent character, it sounds like. So, so we'll see. And, you know, I do think it was interesting. That whole thing kind of really shined the light on just how much he means to the Memphis franchise and in some ways probably even to the NBA now. Anyway, all right, let's get to why don't you do the rundown on what we're going to cover for the show today. Okay, so there's been a lot happening
1: in the hobby, so we'll try to get you caught up on everything in the halftime report. And then we'll yeah, cover some. Like
0: every week, there's always a lot. We always think, you know, start the week out thinking, is there going to be anything to, to put in a halftime report? And then by the end of the week, there's like a million things to put in there.
1: Yeah, well, that's about how it goes. Yeah. Um, after that, we'll cover some ground on the NBA, the NFL, uh, the Winter Olympics in our film study. Yep. got a mix of players that we'll give our buy, hold, or sell opinion on in our two-minute drill. And then, do we have something for the Coach's Corner?
0: I do. I'm going to just do a, it's nothing sort of pre-planned, but I'm going to do a grading 101. All right. And then, no mailbag this week, as we don't want this to be a two-hour show. Yeah. Ha ha. Um, and I think we've actually got a couple of Easter eggs we're going to drop. So, for some listeners, there's a couple listeners of the show that we might have an Easter egg for, and then, For all the listeners, there might be an Easter egg that might not make a whole lot of sense today when we drop it, but uh, it will. just trust us; you'll understand it as in the future. So we'll have a little fun with it. All right. And then, are we going to play a game today? No, no game. We don't have anything planned. No games today. No games today. All right. Well, I guess no fun. No fun for us today. No fun today. All right. Well, let's jump in, and we will get started with the halftime report.
1: so tickets are on sale now for the 2022 national card show which is going to be in atlantic city beginning july 27th and continuing through july 31st of next year you can get more information about ticket packages prices etc on their website at www.nsccshow.com
0: yeah and that's a fun show if anyone's listening and you've never been to that show i would highly recommend to go to it uh, this past year in chicago it was absolutely packed i think they had more than a hundred thousand people that came through there but even though it was packed it wasn't like you know you're not It's it was a huge um venue and so it's not like everyone's just jammed in like sardines and but it's a ton of fun there's a lot of activity a lot of fun things going on giveaways and breaks and different things that are happening and so if you've never been to one I I would highly recommend checking that out and and going to it because it's a a ton of fun. So, all right, what else? In auction news, yeah, we've got a company called Julian's Auctions. Now, they're not highlighted on our website because they're generally not a sports card auction house. It's more uh, just kind of other collectibles. But they have, I thought this was worth noting because they're going to be selling property from, the life and career of sylvester stallone none other than rocky himself that auction is or actually rambo yeah oh that's right well yeah that's right i always thinking it was Rocky. One. have you have you actually you've seen all the rocky movies haven't you have I've you seen, seen all of them uh, i've seen i know you've i seen.
1: remember one i've probably seen the rest but i was a kid so we, I don't remember we've that. got to
0: you've got to see all but i have remember, you seen the rambo movies? i remember
1: one i've seen the rambo movies yeah yeah You've seen Rambo, but I've seen Rambo pretty recently just because they were on TV like, I don't know, yeah. it was probably a couple months ago, but just for fun. I just threw him on. And yeah, so well, Rambo. And
0: I don't know why he's like, like I'm not Rambo. sure if he's in financial trouble or something that you wouldn't think, but because so. I don't know why he's still, I was looking at some of the stuff. He's selling off some really cool stuff. Uh, there's some things like, I think, an original draft script that he's autographed of from Rocky and just a bunch of stuff some of the awards that he's won and different things and so in some ways i was looking at some of those items and just kind of wondering like why would you sell this off i i would think you'd want to keep that and kind of pass that down or whatnot but anyway so that auction's being held i think this sunday it's on december 5th what's today yeah this is friday so it's this sunday is when that auction's being held
1: all right um also in auction news and not to be outdone by the slice to loan collection Hunt Auctions will be selling items from the personal collection of Bill Russell. That auction starts at noon Eastern time on Friday, December 10th.
0: Yep, and uh, Hunt Auctions, another one, in, if, if anyone's been on our website and you look at the auction houses that we've got listed there, we do not have Hunt Auctions, and again, like Julianne with Julianne um, with the Rocky Auction... It's because they generally don't deal in sports cards. I mean, there might be a few handful of sports cards here and there in some of their auctions, but for the most part, they're dealing in other types of collectible items. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so you've got a you've got a celebrity auction and a and a basketball great auction going on in in the next week or so, and then somewhat in the auction space as well. I did follow the new Star Stock auctions that this past week that they did remember I think we talked about that in the last show or maybe the show before that that they were launching a new program where they were going to have these new daily auctions They'd last for one hour and meaning the total auction would be for one hour each evening and then they would have I don't know eight ten twelve items they'd auction off and each one of the lots would last for like somewhere between one and three minutes with extended bidding so I went ahead and, and logged on to their site because we've got an account there and didn't bid on anything, but I just wanted to watch the auctions and kind of see how they went. And it was interesting. Um, they didn't really, you know, there weren't any sort of monster cards being auctioned off, but there were some, you know, some interesting things. And, you know, frankly, on some of that stuff, so they went for pretty decent prices. Uh, you know, they they got close to what I think was sort of fair value comps on a lot of that stuff. But there's a, a several things that probably sold for 10 or 15% discounts to what the the fair market value comps on some of that were but it was an interesting way to do the auctions it's rapid fire you know you got in some cases it was one minute and then when you get down to 10 seconds if a, a new bid comes in at under 10 seconds the clock resets to 10 seconds and so basically you're going in 10 second increments at that point until there's not a bid in that 10 second window and then whatever the last bid was wins it that was kind of interesting. I think it's a fun format. I'm not sure what they're, you know, I, I think they're planning on continuing to do it. And, and at some point right now, it's not open to customers of theirs. These are some of the stuff they're selling is their own stuff. And I think people affiliated with them, but I think they have plans at some point to open that up so that anyone that has an account and, and cards with Star, on the StarStock platform should be able to sell them in those auctions if that's something that you would like to do. But anyway, so I just thought we would highlight that because we talked about it before and I thought it was kind of an interesting auction format and something that's different from a lot of the other ones that are out there in the space. All right, switching to grading company news, we've got some pretty big news this week uh, out of
1: PSA, and that is that they are buying Card Ladder. Card Ladder is a site that helps collectors and investors know what their cards are worth. They provide sales data on cards, so, uh, so, so that collectors can track
0: pricing trends. Yep, and this was actually pretty big news I don't know that it was entirely surprising. Now, I don't think anyone maybe was necessarily expecting them to come out right now and buy Card Ladder, but I don't think it's surprising to see PSA doing these kinds of acquisitions and growing their presence in the space. Uh, it's been somewhat obvious. In fact, we've talked a little bit about it here on some of our past shows about how they appear to be trying to build something similar to what Fanatics has said that they want to build, Uh, only without, obviously, the card manufacturing because Fanatics is going to have all of that, so PSA won't have that. But they've, you know, it looked they bought Golden Auctions. Um, Now they've bought Card Ladder. And we've said before, I'm pretty shortened. I I can't say 100%, but uh, I feel probably 90% certain that this is correct. Nat Turner, who's the executive chairman at PSA, has a site where he lists a lot of his private equity investments and one of those I think we've talked about in the past is Dibs which is one of the fractional share platforms. So I honestly I'm not going to, you know, speculate or start any rumors, but I wouldn't be surprised to see PSA continue on their acquisitive path here and potentially, you know, look at a fractional platform like that or you know, get into some other areas. Um, They're obviously wanting to kind of get into, you know, everything from the grading to the marketplace to the research and storage and uh, with the vault and all those kinds of things. Nat Turner's talked about all of that. Same sort of strategy that Fanatics has. This is what I think the third or fourth acquisition they've done just within the last maybe year, give or take. So they're being pretty aggressive going after the market. And I think this is going to be a good acquisition for them, and more importantly, I think it's going to be a good acquisition for CardLadder. CardLadder is a fantastic uh, solution uh, in the space, but it is somewhat limited. They, as of as of the now, I guess that when this acquisition occurred, I think they had about 18,000 cards in their database. Which that might sound like a lot of cards, but it's really not. And so, there's if you go to search a card. There's a lot of cards that they don't have in the database yet, um, and so you, it, th- that makes their service somewhat limited. If you remember, I think a couple shows ago, we talked about the when we were talking about how the sets have grown over the years, and we were using the example of the 2019 Panini Prism basketball set. And I think all in, don't quote me on this, but if I remember, if you take all the inserts, all the parallels, the base cards, the autographs, all those things, you add it all up, I think there's something like seventeen thousand cards just in that one set alone, 2019 Prism Basketball. So seventeen thousand card ladder has eighteen thousand cards in their database. Now they're not all you know 2019 basketball. They've got stuff from a variety of years and variety of sports and kind of all the top players. But still, that just shows you know they've got a long way to go to build out their card database. And obviously, hooking up with PSA should help them do that. PSA's got the pop reports. Um, that should help. Card Ladder really fill out their database of cards, which will help those people that use them, you know, be able to better find what they're looking for and make that a more useful and valuable service. I also think the other thing that'll be interesting is to see what they do with the subscription because Card Ladder has a, there's a free part of it where you can get like the last three months of data for free, but then there's also a subscription pay part. And PSA, which we'll talk about this later when we do our grading 101, they also have a subscription service to grade with them. You've got to actually buy a membership for and, and, and spend money on that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there if they roll the Card Ladder subscription into the PSA membership and kind of offer that as an additional benefit to their members. We'll see what they do there. Nat Turner was on a uh, podcast uh, that I think Card Ladder actually puts on and talked about some of the interesting ideas that he has about kind of how they might, you know, make this acquisition or get more value out of this acquisition and some of the creative things that they might do there. So anyway, it'll be interesting to kind of follow and see what happens with all that.
1: Yeah. Also with respect to PSA,
0: it's been two weeks now. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's been two weeks now. Yeah. Remember last time there was that whole rumor. uh, Well, it wasn't a rumor, but Nat Turner posted on Instagram about, Regular service opens in two weeks and the whole hobby, everyone kind of got all up and up not up in arms, but got all excited and oh, regulars going to open in two weeks. It's been two weeks and no regular service back open. And I can't say that that's surprising for those that have listened to us. You know, we talked about literally it was like maybe a week before that post came out. Nat Turner went on. Was it I think it was Sports Card Digest podcast and gave an interview and talked about how they were on pace to open up their regular service in the first quarter and then he talked about kind of what they were going to do pricing wise and all this other stuff you know we were kind of skeptical when we saw that Instagram post and thinking that maybe there's a joke to that or I don't know we'll see what happens because it was literally just a few days or a week after he did that podcast interview and sure enough it looks now that we're you know to more than two weeks past when that came out and still nothing's opened up it, it looks like that may have been a joke. Now who knows? Maybe they're gonna come up, you know, tomorrow or next week and open up. I don't know. They could they could open up any day now, but I, I do think that it's probably more likely that we see that in the first quarter of next year.
1: and the consensus is that it will likely be priced at around a hundred dollars, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. And that interview that I talked about before that he did on the podcast with the card ladder folks to talk about that acquisition, he also did talk a little bit about their pricing strategies and some of the things they've talked about doing there in order to be able to ultimately offer lower price points. I don't think they're going to do that right out of the gate when they open cert- the serv- you know, regular service level back up because they don't want to get flooded with cards again. But it does sound like they're thinking about some creative solutions that they might be able to offer to prevent themselves from getting backlogged but also be able to offer... You know, lower priced services, especially for, like we've talked about before with PSA, their set registry business is a big part of what they do. And, and, and guys that are collecting those sets need lower price points to get some of those lower value common cards graded. So more to, more to come on that, but it sounds like they're you know get, doing a fair amount of work and giving a fair amount of consideration to some creative ways in which they're going to be able to solve for some of these issues. On the fractional share
1: front, in addition to the offer on the Steph Curry Nike shoes we talked about earlier, Collectible received a couple of additional buyout offers. The first one was for an Alexander Ovechkin card.
0: Yep, and good job on pronouncing that. I oh wasn't sure gosh. if you were going to be able You're to. going to get
1: Ovechkin. <laughs> I know Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah, so. I
0: don't. I don't know. Hockey player names are probably so. That's what we need. Yeah, to, but
1: Ovechkin's like you. Need get, to, everybody knows Ovechkin. Yeah,
0: that's true. But we do need to get some, put some hockey player names in some of the games that we end up playing on that. That. Those will stump people for sure. So, yeah, that Ovechkin card was the 0506 upper deck called The Cup. It was card numbered to 99. It was in a BGS 8.5. That card came public on their platform in March of this year for $40,500,
1: and the buyout offer they received was for $55,000.
0: Yep, and so it'll be interesting. We haven't heard yet if investors are going to accept that. I think they have you know, 24, 48 hours, something like that. To make their decision so we should hear shortly but uh that is what is that so 15 on 40 what is the math on that maybe 25 30 30 30 35 percent somewhere yeah, somewhere like in there that. what for six months that's not bad
1: yeah uh and they also got another buyout offer this one was for an aaron
0: Rodgers card yeah that one was the 05 playoff contenders rookie card it was an autograph and it was in psa 8 that card also came public in march of this year
1: it was originally valued at $19,750. The buyout offer they received was for $30,000.
0: Yeah. And that one, we already know they accepted that offer. So that one was done. So that was what, same thing, maybe six months. And what's the math on that? 10,000 on 30. So, or no, 10,000 on 20. So that was about a 50% return, give or take on that one over that six month frame. So quite a few buyout offers for decent premiums happening on that collectible platform.
1: All right, Uh, let's move on to some baseball news. We will start with some big free agent moves. Uh, Corey Seager signed with the Rangers and Max Scherzer signed with the Mets.
0: Yeah, and there was kind of a flurry of deals that teams tried to get done before the potential lockout occurred that we'll talk about here in just a minute. Robbie Ray was one of the big ones. He signed with the Mariners. Uh, Marcus Simeon, who had a really good year this past year, I think he was with the Blue Jays, right? If I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he Sounds signed. Right. He signed with the Ranger. Uh, excuse me, the Rangers. The Rangers, and then uh, Javier Baez signed with Detroit, and Corey Kluber signed with the Rays. Those are just a few of the notable names. All right. Um, before we talk about the MLB awards, like we said, we should probably touch on the lockout. Yeah, most people probably heard this and know this by now. Earlier this week, the league and the players were unable to reach an agreement on a new CBA, which just stands for Collective Bargaining Agreement. And so the league decided to lock out the players, which resulted in a work stoppage. And in announcing the lockout decision, Commissioner Rob Manfred released an open letter to the fans and it read in part, and this uh, this is interesting. I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and read, I I guess I may not read the whole quote, but I'll read parts of it because I do think this quote and the response from the players are interesting, and I think it's going to set the tone for maybe what we can expect. He but he yeah, said I simply, think
1: MLB sucks.
0: Well, he said simply put, we believe an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season. We hope the lockout will jumpstart the negotiations and get us to an agreement that'll allow the season to start on time. This defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability of most teams to be competitive. So that those sound like fighting words to me. And then he says it's simply not a viable option. From the beginning, the Major League Baseball Players Association has been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate. So. the bottom line is that's a shot across the bow. I mean, that was it's a, a very pub-
1: aggressive response. Yeah, and it's a public statement against all of your players who make your money for you, man.
0: Well, and it was a public statement. And here's the other thing that's They're interesting most about this: the important pieces. Yeah, and the, what's interesting is they didn't have to lock them out. So it's not like just because the agreement expired doesn't require a lockout. the The league decided to do that. They could have. Kept everything in place and just continued negotiating exactly. in good faith season. and, and kind of make it happen. But they the, obviously the lockout was a you know it's a leverage play and a, a negotiating strategy. But so okay, so
1: the players' association also released a statement in response to the owner lockout. It reads, "This shutdown is a dramatic measure. Regardless of the timing, it is not required by law or for any other reason. It was the owner's choice, plain and simple. Specifically calculated to pressure players." into relinquishing rights and benefits and abandoning good faith bargaining proposals that will benefit not just players, but the game and industry as a whole. Yeah, These tactics are not new. We have been here before and players have risen to the occasion time and again, guided by a solidarity that has been forged over generations. We will do so again here. We remain determined to return to the field under the terms of a negotiated collective bargaining agreement that is fair to all parties and provides fans with the best version of the game we all love.
0: Yeah, so you can even hear in that response they called the the you know the league out for saying hey this this wasn't required didn't have to happen it's just a, a bargaining chip that they're trying to use to leverage the players. But that statement came out like almost immediately after the commissioner's statement came out. So everyone is positioning themselves. But when all of this stuff happened that fast after the lockout occurred and now it's all being you know sort of it's I call it mudslinging in the public eye I mean that's really what's happening right now and that I just don't think that can be good I don't think that pretends well hopefully we can expect that this won't last long Uh, historically a lot of their lockouts have not lasted for extended periods of time and so you hope that this is just a tactic and you know they get in the room and work this out and and we move on but I do think some of the words coming out and some of the actions that have been taking place just in the, you know, first twenty four hours of when the lockout occurred kind of signals that maybe there's a more of a riff here than than what some people well, may think and maybe this is gonna last a little longer. Look, ben, I don't know.
1: The they've been the MLB, just like as a organization, has been pretty terrible for like the last couple of years. I mean, everybody's been talking about like they're literally kind of almost running the sport they have the potential to run the sport into the ground if they keep doing what they're doing yeah and like stuff like this doesn't surprise me and like this kind of like the response from the commissioner like that's very aggressive and like those words are not words that would really come from somebody who's really trying to negotiate in my opinion like
0: well they're certainly that,
1: that tells me that response tells me that like at least in some form they're being a little bit closed-minded to the players association. Now obviously I haven't been behind the closed doors to actually see what's going on, but I don't know. To me that just seems like I wouldn't want to negotiate with that guy either. It tell, just doesn't sound
0: like, like Tell tell me how you really feel. No, I <laughs> no mean, but hey, man. no, but that so I know I like, agree. that's well, he, he no, they certainly those are certainly strong words and that's a strong position coming out. I just don't think that that pretends well for the negotiations the parallels of today's card market i posted this on our social media uh, sites but if you look at the parallels to this market to what happened in the 80s and 90s it's just really strange uh, to the point of of weird and i'm not suggesting and i don't necessarily think that the current market we're in is going to end in a similar way to the what happened in the 80s and 90s i actually don't think it will now that doesn't mean we you know we don't have a downturn or we don't have some things happen and some bumps in the road along the way, but I don't think it'll end the same way that one did. But that said, you can't ignore some of the parallels between now and then because the last lockout, interesting enough, was in nineteen ninety. It lasted for thirty-two days. But then there was also the last sort of work stoppage was the player strike in ninety-four-95 and it wasn't the only thing maybe it wasn't even the main thing but it certainly was one of the things that contributed to the downturn in the card market because that was right about the time in the mid 90s when the mark the card market sort of i'll say it it crashed it collapsed i mean you had a whole bunch of companies in the space went belly up and card values came down after having a big sort of bubble like run up in the late 80s and early 90s anyway it's interesting um, to, to, to when you look at, at some of those parallels. But like I said, I'm not necessarily predicting the same, you know, the market today is going to end in the, in the same fashion as, as it did back then. But, and oh, by the way, another parallel to that is, and this is in our blog post. If you go read the blog post where we talk about the history of the card market, um, we mentioned, we kind of give an accounting of all the different manufacturing companies that came into the space in the 80s and 90s, then went bankrupt. And Panini ended up buying several of those i think they bought don russ and well i think it was playoff and became don russ and anyway and then long story short get to fast forward to the what early 2000s I forget the exact year i want to say it was maybe in the 2003 4 or 5 time frame maybe it was a little later than that maybe it was 2008 um but anyway fast forward panini stepped in and got the licenses to basketball and football, taking them away from Tops, leaving Tops with baseball. Upper Deck continued to have hockey. I, you know, I made the comment in social media posts, does that sound familiar? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you know, Panini swooped in, did all that, and and then the rest is history with them and kind of similar to what we have today with Fanatics. And Fanatics is now swooping in, taking those licenses away. Now, the only difference there is Tops retained baseball back then, they're not even retaining that now we'll see how all this plays out but i'm hopeful they can get this resolved in short order and it doesn't you know result in something longer that would then threaten the the start of the season next year yeah and
1: then the mlb apparently also removed player pictures from their website and so the players responded by changing their social media profile pictures to the same anonymous faces yeah
0: <laughs> this was like get so. your popcorn ready and because uh, the mud has started and that's what i mean when i say it doesn't look good i mean It just these all these sort of, yeah, the the MLB removes the pictures and that and then the players have that response. When you see that kind of action, it's kind of funny, but it also sort of suggests that yeah, there's I don't think they're getting together anytime soon. But who knows, maybe these are all just simply negotiating tactics. And, you know, before next week, we're going to turn around and have a deal. I don't know. But if I was a betting man right now, I would probably bet this lasts longer than maybe what people are initially thinking that it will. And I hope that I hope I'm wrong about that. All right, what else? Let's move on. We haven't talked yet about the baseball awards um, because I think it was our very first show, right, that we did that?
1: Yeah, and on our very first show, we talked about Otani being the favorite to win AL MVP and Soto being the favorite to win the NL MVP but said not to sleep on Bryce Harper because of the season he put together. Yeah. So the results are in, um, a little late, and Otani did win the AL MVP while Bryce Harper won the NL MVP.
0: Yeah, and they, they were... I saw... I was reading some of the articles that were coming out about that. They were just... Because you mentioned this. In fact, I think we talked about it in the first show how it was a little odd that... Because one of the arguments about Otani and even Bryce Harper was that their teams didn't make the playoffs. And so this was apparently just the ninth pair of MVPs since 1931 to come from non-playoff teams. And it was the first one since talking about parallels to the market since Mm. 1987 so there's the late 80s again (laughs) anyway so
1: yeah well um, as for the Cy Young Awards back during our first show we mentioned that Robbie Ray would like likely run away with the AL Cy Young and the NL it would be a close race between Max Scherzer and Corbin Burns but we thought Scherzer would get the nod and so the results are in and Robbie Ray did win the AL Cy Young Award and Corbin Sorry, Corbin Burns won the NL Cy Young Award.
0: Yeah, Burns may have been a slight surprise there, but not really. I mean, him and Scherzer, and we even mentioned this in the first show, were pretty much statistically the same. And so it was a very close race. And actually, Scherzer got third. It was Zach Wheeler, I think, came in second. But we mentioned he was one of the ones that would would be in the running as well. Not, not necessarily. I, I'll, I'll admit I was probably a sup- little surprised with that. I thought maybe Scherzer would get the nod over, over Burns, but Burns certainly is deserving. He had a fantastic year.
1: Yep, and then finally for the Rookie of the Year Awards, again, during our first show we mentioned that Jonathan India would run away with it in the NL, and in the AL it would be a close
0: race, but we thought Randy Eros would win. Yep, and they both did. So Eros did win. I don't even it's an, Sounds all these, right. Yeah, no, I think it is. I just like, I start probably overpronounce it, but it's just a fun name to pronounce. Um, he, he did win the AL Rookie of the Year. Jonathan India did win the NL Rookie of the Year, so there weren't any surprises there. And I think for bringing this back to the card market and any impact that these awards might have on the cards of these players, honestly, I don't think there's really going to be much impact with any of it that's meaningful or lasting just because this was already pretty much anticipated. Everyone kind of had a general idea of who these awards were going to go to. So the actual realization of that, I don't think changes the calculus much on the value of the cards. All of that said though, we did talk about in our first show that we do really like Scherzer from a long-term horizon or long-term investment perspective. You know, pitchers are generally not looked at as, um, favorable as hitters but anyway but when you look at the kind of career that Scherzer's put together and when you look at the value of his cards I think there's some long-term upside potential there and then we do like Erez Arena um, and as, as a younger player and some of his rookie cards uh, so long as you know they are not and I, I don't think they are right now I have not looked at them recently but I don't think they're crazy expensive And then we said then, and I still think this today, I think Bryce Harper is criminally undervalued for whatever reason. Now, his stuff has been going up a little bit given the season he put together. uh, But still, I think relative to some of the other players and the status that they've got, the stats and the performances they've had and all those kinds of things from a comparable standpoint, I I still think Harper is undervalued and represents good long-term Uh, investment value. Then the Otani cards have actually probably cooled off a little bit just because there was a pretty, you know, heightened pace of buying and selling in his stuff towards the end of the season. I would say I'd probably view his stuff a little more as a hold, um, maybe with some potential further upside next year. If he does put together another season next year like he had this year, then I definitely think there's probably some more upside in his stuff. But There's also, you know, risk of injury and those kinds of things, knock on wood. And so I would, for that reason, it'd probably just be a hold right now. All right. Uh,
1: That's all we have for today. So that concludes the halftime Report. So now let's move on to film study.
0: We'll jump into the Winter Olympics because I actually think now is an interesting time to look ahead obviously they're not the games start next year what i think february of next year is that right something like that yeah and so i think think it's a good time to look at in advance of those games because there could be some opportunity to pick up some of the cards of some of the athletes that are going to be in the winter olympics i'll just give a few examples there's uh someone like michaela Schifrin, who's a downhill snow skier for the u.s she's got a 2017 sports illustrated car uh, for kids card that uh, might be interesting. Uh, Lolo Jones, who was in, used to be in track and field, and then moved to bobsled. It's an interesting transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she's got a couple of Leaf cards, one from 2013, and then also a Sports Illustrated for Kids card from 2012. Those actually show her in the, when she was competing in track and field, not for bobsled. But and then there's another one, Jesse Diggins, who's a cross country skier. I think all of these athletes we're mentioning here are probably going to see a fair amount of media coverage. Uh, there's going to be a fair amount of excitement over their potential to be on the, the podium uh, for their particular sport. So we'll see. She's got a 2018 TOPS card uh, as well as maybe some others. And then there's a couple of snowboarders. I think Chloe Kim. Just um, got a 2016 Sports Illustrated for Kids card as well as a 2018 tops card. Her stuff is probably a little more pricey than some of the others, but still not not incredibly expensive. And you know, maybe some opportunity um, when the when the Winter Olympics comes around if she performs well. And then of course someone like a Sean White, who's going to be competing uh, in in the upcoming Winter Olympics, and obviously, you know, is is a big name in the sport. And so. This might be the time if you have interest or inclined to, you know, look at other, you know other things like the the Olympics and getting cards from some of those athletes. I think there could be some interesting value opportunity in a number of those of those names and those uh, cards. All right, that's all I really had on that. Let's go to the NBA, and again, like we say, you are a resident NBA expert. So I've got a couple things that I'd like to to touch on, but I'll let you sort of direct the where we go with this but before i let you do that i do want to touch on one thing in particular and that is the did you see the game with between Giannis and Lamelo? i did that mm-hmm. was unbelievable that was a pretty incredible that game. shot the three-point shot that lamello hit look man at the end was uh, that might
1: be the most elevation i've seen Lamelo get on his jump shot ever <laughs> I mean, is,
0: it's not like he was open. He had a guy hang, no. practically hanging on him, and, and he was, what? I'm just saying that's the only time I've ever seen feet him out, actually jump for his feet jump out. shot. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a pretty incredible shot. Um, I And then the, Giannis the thing, just comes back and says, yeah, no, yeah, no well, rookie, this is how it's done. That I thought was
1: interesting <laughs> about that was the way they set up that play. And so as the final play of the game, Giannis has traditionally liked to, when he has the ball behind the three-point line, take a few steps back to get a full head of steam before yeah. he drives the lane. Yeah. Which is a pretty good method for somebody that big. They literally set up the play to put Giannis in the backcourt, have him start running pass the ball to him, pick it up as soon as he crossed the half court line. So he could just <laughs> freaking go. Yeah. And that's how they scored. And I thought that was interesting. You normally don't really see plays set up like that ever. Yeah. Like normally that's, that's just, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting way. Yeah. And then well, only knew- that, um, the last two seconds, Miles Bridges almost made that
0: half-court shot to win it. I know. Did you see? It I like know. rimmed in and out. So <laughs> he like, did almost make that shot. That that sort of that probably was the piece that got missed more than yeah, anything, no, just because no, of we the shot that Lamelo that. took and the right. shot that Giannis took. But that was like it that, was in and out that oh, could have won was, the game. Yeah. I mean, that would have been, been nuts. Oh, that would have been incredible if that shot went in. But, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. I did notice that, and it was like that shot went up, and it was like, holy cow, he's gonna actually, and then no, it rimmed
1: out. And like people and um, so that was a pretty incredible game for like lamello numbers wise and i actually saw that it surprised me today there's like a mvp ladder thing that they do on nba.com where they just kind of throughout the season i think it's every week or something i don't know i don't really look at it but i saw it like like on the like the scrolling news in the bottom of like espn or whatever yeah um Lamelo has climbed his way into that list after that game, which really? really surprised me. I didn't think he would even be in the conversation like for the entire season. But like, yeah, after that game, I mean, I can see why. It feels like I think it, it was kind of a coming out game for it, it, him. Like, yeah, a little you know. bit, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, he's doing it against the reigning. Yeah, at least so. in somewhat of the MVP conversation, which is interesting. Yeah, um, just have his name mentioned there at all.
0: Well, he's gonna have to do that consistently now. Exactly. But still, I mean, that was... Yeah, that was an amazing game. And then, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now, but we never did talk about the uh, scuffle between LeBron and uh, Isaiah Stewart. I mean, I don't really know if there's
1: anything else left they to say. They haven't played each other since then, right? No, they have, but nothing really happened. Okay. And I honestly figured that they would just, like, hug it out at the beginning of the game, but they just didn't even talk to each other, but... Oh, I, I, I would mean, imagine they, yeah. Nothing really... Nothing really happened. Um, the Pistons almost came back and beat them, but yeah. <laughs> that's really it. Um, all right. Well, they still
0: they still come out of it with a win. So, so here I told you I'm gonna let you take it, and then now I've got all these questions that I'm asking you. But so uh, I'll ask you one more, and that is Golden State. They're 18 and three. Well, and we could put Phoenix in the same conversation because Phoenix is 19 and three. So they're on a pace for probably maybe they play 82 games. So let's call it 72 and 10. So that would not be the record, or maybe maybe seventy and twelve is probably more the pace they're on right now. So that would not be the record for wins, all-time wins in a season. But uh, so Golden State currently holds that record. What is it? Seventy. They were seventy-three they were and nine. Seventy-three and the nine. Bulls were seventy-two and ten. So my Whoa. question for you is: Can Phoenix and/or Golden State achieve that record? Well, here's the thing
1: about that. I I don't like talking about like on pace for like an end of season record just because Yeah. Every like things change that's going to happen. Things are gonna change. They're gonna lose games, they're probably gonna go on a losing streak at some point. Sure. Um I would say out of those two teams, Golden State would be more likely. Although I will say Phoenix has been the hottest team in the NBA. They're currently on an eighteen game win streak, maybe nineteen now, which is just Well they're nineteen
0: and three, so they are they eighteen
1: game win streak. Yeah. They started one and three, and okay. then they won. They went sixteen and zero in November, wow. so they're the hottest team. But Devin Booker is going to be out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury, so we'll see. They're good enough to keep it to keep it up anyway. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, like so many things can change over the course of a season. Um, I think once Clay comes back for Golden State, I actually think at least at the beginning, that might not be like. Yeah, I can see. I, that. I think they might lose the first couple of games that yeah. he's back, just as he adjusts to get into the system. Things yeah. aren't going to be exactly the way they've been. And rebuild for them. the chemistry they had. a little Exactly, bit. like it's not going to take them long, and it's definitely going to be a pretty instant impact. But like Clay's going to have to, you know, work his way back into it a little bit. He's not just going to be the same Clay that we've we've known, and that can probably that's probably going to throw off the team just a little bit. So I would imagine, yeah. if they're going to lose, that's probably going to be the time they're going to lose is right when he comes back. Yeah, which you may not really think, but I guess I may be wrong, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. But well, I also
1: just, um I want to talk about injuries, because it's pretty relevant to like the card space too, I would oh, yeah. say. yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of sad. Like there's been so many like guys out this season that are like pretty like important guys to a lot of teams. And like, this was a pretty big issue last season. Everybody was kind of complaining about it because they started the season so early because of the, you know, pandemic they the bubble pretty late, and then they just restart the season after like 70 days or something. And so, as a result, a lot of guys got injured, people were complaining. But I think it's honestly more emphasized already this season. We've had LeBron in and out, obviously. Father Time's catching up to him a little bit, but he's been in and out a little bit with COVID protocol. You yeah, have Bam Adebayo, he's been out for he's going down for a couple of weeks. John Morant's gone down. Michael Porter Jr. The Cavs have guys like Holland Sexton. Like one other guy I'm pretty sure went down. Their team's kind of screwed up now. I mean, I could go on. Kawhi has been out. Yeah. And it just seems like every couple of days, like someone else goes down. And, like, it's always, like, a pretty important guy to a team. Yeah. Milwaukee's That's been – I mean, Brooke Lopez just had back surgery, so he's going to be out for a little bit more. Um, He's already been out. Yeah. There's, like, a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, I there's probably a lot I'm forgetting. Yeah. But, like – Did you say Booker? But, yeah, Booker yeah. went down, too. I forgot about Booker. Yeah. I said him earlier, Booker's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Like, these aren't really – most these aren't, like, season-ending injuries, but it's just, like, a lot of guys that – a lot of people like to watch are out, and it kind of sucks, to be honest. Um, and
0: it's probably going to hurt a lot of card values, too, depending well, and, on what the And the hard thing are. about a lot of these injuries, too, is that basketball is not a forgiving sport. No. It's one of those things where, unless you can have – really fully rehab and get f- back to full health it's you're probably going to be dealing with maybe some nagging ongoing things related to those injuries even even when you're so-called back and we've seen that right from a few different i mean that's especially kind of Clay, lebron Clay thompson was that right Clay I mean,
1: thompson was that and, and i mean most recent example is lebron like he was out for maybe like a week or two with that ab strain or whatever yeah came back and played the game and you can tell it was still bothering him a little bit yeah so we'll see what happens there. And but like now so is for all me, of
0: this because you tore your PCL. No, it's really not. I just
1: <laughs> noticed it recently just because it's been piling up. I think it's a little bit because BAM went down and that was annoying. But also in the game with so Golden State played Phoenix on whatever day it was earlier this week. I think it was maybe Tuesday. That sounds right. That was like the game of yeah. like the first quarter season. Because sure. these are both like like the teams in the NBA right yeah. now. And so like that was, it was a really great game, but literally I think it was either the first or the second quarter, Devin Booker went down in that game. Like I watched that and I was just kind of like, man, like really? Like now, like you're going to go down in this game? Like that just like, that kind of sucks. Cause like you go into that game, you want to see these teams at their full strength go at it with each other. Yeah. And like Phoenix still pulled out the win. It was still a great game, but it was just kind of like. It's not the same without, like, the full team. Yeah. And so, like, that just kind of sucked. And, like, it just keeps piling on, like, a lot of these teams that started good. Like, the Cavs are now having to kind of scrape by without some of their best players. It seems like it's happening to, like, almost every team.
0: Yeah. But. Yeah. And it has an impact. And, like, I mean, although what's funny is with a lot of these teams, like, so the game you mentioned, Phoenix, they, they went on to win that game without Booker. You talk about. Memphis, which when John Morant went down and like they just seventy three point win. Yeah, yeah, They Just had a seven, You know, they've done pretty well. Now I don't know that they can sustain that. Obviously, well, for no. An entire, that was OKC you know, without season. That but, was
1: OKC without OKC's two best players, and right. OKC is in full <laughs> rebuild mode, so they're basically just playing a college team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. But even true.
0: So. But some of that's it. It's been actually a little surprising. Some of these teams have actually been able to play well and still win games, even without their some of their star players out. We even saw that, not to change topics, I won't, but just as a quick tangent, saw that in the NFL with the Titans when they lost Henry. They went on to win three pretty challenging games. Now they've lost the last, what, two. And I think that's what we might see in the NBA. Some of these teams that are winning, they're probably, they're not gonna be able to sustain that if, yeah. if without those top players coming well, back. But. And that
1: just speaks to how hard it is to win professional sports. Um oh, so I, I think I've... a lot of people don't really realize that, is that anybody can beat anybody on any given night. And you see a lot of people, you know, a, a quote-unquote bad team will beat a good team, and yeah. people will freak out. But it's like, no, nah, these guys are all professionals. So, well, it's, just, it's
0: you, hard, man. You know, I don't recall that we've seen it in basketball as much as say something like football. But, but maybe more so recently, like you've pointed out. But I do. I've long said in a lot of these sports that the it's it's all about the team that stays healthy. It is about the team uh, you know, that stays healthy. And the and team that stays you healthy. You want to is, talk about
1: Brooklyn? Like that was the talk of last season. Is yeah. Oh, if they stay healthy, they're going to win the championship. And then they didn't stay healthy, and that's right. why they probably lost. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah, on the sports card market side of things, it's definitely depending on the player. Uh, it definitely has an impact on the value of cards. We saw that when John Morant went down. Now his stuff is still valued pretty nicely. Uh, it's you know it's not cheap, but definitely in the last what eight ten days however long it's been since his knee injury you look at pull up any of the charts on most of his cards saying card ladder and you can see they've just kind of had they've been they've gone down probably 10 15 something like that across the board so yeah so let me ask you about i keep going back to and maybe it's just because i've got an ant man card at uh at PSA right now that I'm really hoping I think is going to gem out and be a nice card but let's talk about Minnesota because it, when the season first started and even as of a couple shows ago I think we were talking about Minnesota and my thought was well the whole problem with with Ant-Man uh, is that he's on Minnesota and what's really going to happen with that team and now here we go, and they're sitting, and again, I know it's early. We're only, what, 22 games into the season, but they're sitting at 11-11 at 500, and and right now, right in the mix uh, for a playoff spot, and they're playing well. Yeah, and well, this is something, like, so I thought about this before the season even started.
1: Like, Minnesota really should be better, and they really should have been better in past years too, but, I mean, there's a number of reasons why they weren't. And so it's just kind of a big question with Anthony Edwards. Are they going to be able to win games or not? Like, it's really like they ought to be able to, but for some, whatever reason, they've struggled. So I think you're just kind of seeing the development um, that a lot of people are kind of probably surprised to see just because of
0: Minnesota's history. Well, and Carl Anthony Towns is playing well. They got who? Mikael Bridges, right? No, no, he's on the Suns. No, he's on the Suns. They have have D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell. Um, Who's the other one I'm thinking of? Uh, let me pull up their roster here one second. Yeah. Oh, Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley,
1: yeah. But, like, see, like, that's a good enough roster to beat anybody in this league. And so it's really about time that they've, you know, have a have a better record. I mean, I think, you know, if they continue this, I think they have a pretty good shot to at least get into the play-in tournament. Yeah. You know, 9-10, yeah. maybe even 7-8. I don't know. It's interesting. And so I guess we'll see how they develop. I mean, you see... You know, Carl Anthony Towns, he's kind of playing like he he should be playing. A lot of people kind of sleep on him because he's been to Minnesota, but he's a really, really incredible player. He's just been kind of trapped there. Yeah. So I honestly kind of hope that Minnesota can break their history a little bit and hopefully, you know, at least make the play in because they're a pretty fun team to watch. They've got some good guys. They've just been in an unfortunate spot in the standings
0: for the past couple of years for whatever reason. Well, and then when I look on the other side of the aisle in the Eastern Conference – just looking at their standings and you know don't look now but here comes Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, that's to be expected. And that's largely just because I mean they're one of those teams that early in the season got hit by the injury bug. Exactly. And so yeah, that you're exactly. talking about. And
1: so you knew they would they'd be right back there once they were healthy and here they are, so.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. All right. Well,
0: um, What else we got?
1: Let's uh let's move on to NFL. Okay. So we can go ahead and do our next installment of the nfl QB yeah we series. need to get
0: through this quarterback series so Me that too. we can move on to other things I, we've talked a little about, on, on some other stuff nfl but we definitely i want to spend some time on some non-quarterback stuff right. in the nfl but maybe we'll do that next time so what do we got oh, today? We're almost
1: done so we've been going by draft class of guys currently playing so far we've covered the 2016 through 2021 draft classes so today we're going to cover 2015 and 2014 We'll start with 2015, which includes Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, unless you're just a fan, neither of those guys are anything I would invest in. Now, obviously, for those that listen that know originally from Oregon, I am a Duck and so big Marcus Mariota fan, so I already have a fair number of his cards, and I've got a few Jameis Winston cards as well, but I don't, you know... Look, I, I don't think there's really anything here for, for to long, long-term investment value. I do think it's unfortunate. We talk, I won't spend a lot of time on it now, but I think we talked before. I, I think that Marcus could have actually had a significantly better career in the NFL that he, than he did if he was maybe in a little different system than what he was, was in when he was here with the Titans. I think that kind of hurt his career a little bit um, because of the style of play they tried to force him into, which wasn't really conducive to his strengths. And anyway, and then obviously they had an offensive line that couldn't really protect him and, and keep him healthy, so he had some injuries. Anyway, so long story short, probably not much with those. So let's take a look at the what's the other class we're doing 2014. 2014 includes okay. Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, Bronco, Homer alert there. And actually, so we've got our – and we have Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders, which is Denver's arch enemy. So I think on these quarterbacks, I actually think Derek Carr's stuff, I can't believe I'm saying this as a Bronco fan, and I'm going to say a nice things about a Raider – but I actually think I'd be a buyer of Derek Carr stuff. I, I mentioned earlier I did buy one of his downtowns, and I have that actually in with PSA right now. Um, but I'd be a buyer of his stuff, and Jimmy Garoppolo as well. They're kind of, when you look at their card values, kind of in the same boat. I probably maybe favor Carr a little bit, but both of them, their cards are inexpensive. You can pick up their rookie cards, say their tops Chrome or panini prisms or whatever have you can pick those up in psa 10 for probably 40 to 50 bucks and you know both of those guys their cards a year ago and i'm not talking like during the bubble of the, this past spring of say february march and april i'm talking even going back into the middle of 2000 or early 2000 their, their cards were selling for upwards of say 100 150 maybe even 200 dollars now selling for 40 50 dollars so I think there's some opportunity there, potentially long-term. It's one of those, like we talked about with Cam Newton and like we talked about with, what was it, I think Carson Wentz and some others that we've identified where the risk-reward, I think, is actually favorable because I don't think there's a lot of downside, but I do think there, and I don't think there's huge ups. I don't think they're going to just go meteoric and all of a sudden those things are going to be selling for $500, $1,000 or anything like that, but I do think they could get, you know, if, if the Raiders and or the 49ers were to make the playoffs this year, and they could, they're in the mix, then I, you probably see a little bit of bump in value on both of those guys' cards. And even if they don't, I still think just longer term, especially with Derek Carr, I think there's probably some, some interesting value. His stuff took a hit after the Raiders you know, lost Gruden and kind of all that controversy went down. and. And they changed coaches, and then the Raiders lost a couple of games, and and then you saw the value of his cards drop. I think they were in the 70 eighty dollar range, and kind of dropped down to the forty dollar range. And so, anyway, so yeah, so now as far as Bridgewater is concerned, actually same thing, but his stuff's cheap. But I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of long-term investment value there. Uh, I'd probably say Carr would be the one that has the most long-term investment value, but. Bridgewater, same situation, right? Broncos are in the playoff hunt and he's playing well and his stuff is inexpensive. You can pick up his rookie cards in PSA 10 for probably 20 or 30 bucks. And so, and if they get to the playoffs, could that card sell for 80 or $100? Sure, absolutely it could. And so there's, you know, potentially, again, good risk reward ratio if that's, if you're inclined to want to take that risk and and see what happens with something like that and then obviously if you're just a fan of any of these guys or their teams you know getting now is a great time to add them into your personal collection because it's it there's value and their cards are inexpensive all right i that's probably enough and all the time that we've got for today so let's move on and what do we got next let's do the two minute drill <laughs> all right so start the clock the first one we have is frank flood <laughs> so this might be one of those easter eggs that we were talking about earlier so frank flood uh, one of those rising stars in the in hockey up-and-coming player right now he's not actually in the nhl he plays for eastern washington all right full disclosure frank flood is my nephew that we just had to throw that one in there for as for, for have a little fun but i will say this so and you that's well let's do the next one because the, there's interesting a fun fact with our next one on the list here
1: all right so next up is cooper cup
0: yeah so cooper cup so fun fact do you know what school cooper cup comes out of eastern washington there you go you got it cooper cup is is out of eastern washington where my nephew frank flood is but he was football not hockey and his rookie card is in the 2017 sets uh, he's got a panini prism rookie and i'm going to use that one just because it has the most volume of transactions and so you can get the better comps on it psa 10 and that one sells for around 200 dollars he's obviously having a fantastic season at that price i'm probably a hold i definitely wouldn't be a seller i don't know that i would be buying a ton of it unless you're just a fan and want to have it for your personal collection is there some upside if the Rams do well, make the playoffs, maybe go to the Super Bowl, and he you know, is a big contributor to that? Sure, absolutely. That card could probably sell for 300 or $400 at some point. But I'd probably just be a hold on that one for now. Now let's go with Chad Coda. So Chad Coda. All right, I see what you did here as well. This might just just maybe, I'm not going to say, it might be another one of our little Easter eggs that we've got out there. Chad was a former safety, in the NFL played for a number of teams, the Panthers, the Colts, the Saints actually played for Dicka, Mike Dicka. Uh, And so I'd be a buyer of Chad's stuff. I'd be a buyer of all of his stuff. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now. Um, We can maybe talk more about him at a later time. We will just leave it there for now. And that,
1: ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the two-minute drill. All right, so let's move on to the coach's corner.
0: I'm going to cut that. Let's save that for next time. What we'll do, I'm going to do a grading 101. I'll give you a little more information about what that's going to be so our, viewer, our listeners can uh, look forward to that in the next show. What I'll do is give a rundown of the major grading companies out there, who they are, what their grading scales are, what the criteria is that they use to grade cards, what their pricing is, what their turnaround times are, what, it, what the submission process is and what you can expect there. Um, why you would want to grade a card or not grade a card, kind of what goes into that decision and all of that kind of stuff and which companies that we might use for which different kinds of cards. And then we're also going to plan to the next time we do submissions to each of those companies, we'll try to uh, do a little video recording of that and then put that up on our YouTube channel so you can kind of have a a video tutorial of, of exactly how you can do a submission with each one of those major firms. So the, there's there's five of them that we look at now. It's PSA, it's SGC, it's BGS, it's CSG. And then, as we've said before, we do like HGA as well. They're not quite at the size and scale of those other four companies yet, and they're still relatively new. Uh, but nonetheless, for certain types of cards, um, we do like them, and, and we hope that they're a long-term survivor in the space obviously we had Tyler on last uh, in our last week's show and he seems like a really good guy and trying to do all the right things with HGA to make them successful for the long haul anyway so that's what we'll do Uh, that's going to be the rundown that we're going to give there we'll we'll hold that to the next show okay I think then that will be it that is the show for today so we hope you all enjoyed it And as always, we're open to any suggestions. Feel free to let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff, what you want to hear more about. It is your show, and we love to hear from you. We love to get your feedback. We're not just giving that lip service. We truly do want that feedback and so we can improve it make it better and more enjoyable and valuable for you also remember to check us out on
1: social media and like and follow our pages and channels all that stuff facebook instagram twitter youtube and check out our website www.the615collector.com as we mentioned earlier we've added some content over the past week and have several additional enhancements planned in the coming weeks so check back often or subscribe to our blog and email list, and we'll update you when we load new stuff.
0: Yep, and then we do plan to have some additional guest interviews on upcoming shows. We will post about that on our social media channels once we have those confirmed, so you can look for that. And so that is it. That's a wrap for today. We hope everyone enjoyed it, and we will see you next Friday, same time, same place, here on the 615 Collector.